Welcome, welcome. I'm keeping today's episode pretty quick because, as I will note later, it's been a busy week, and I thought, you know what, I got, I want to get something out, and it's a kind of a fun opportunity to revisit an old story of mine of when I got lost on a mountain, uh, right after I had graduated high school with a couple of buddies that I was hiking with. I didn't get lost with them. Those those jerks abandoned me. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I get into all that later in the episode. A couple things I wanted to share real quick uh, before I get into the story, Uh, one of which is we actually have a sweet lineup coming down the wire. So um, one episode I'm going to get in here pretty soon is a story about a, uh, I actually don't know her very well, but it's a woman who has a very strong following on TikTok. Uh, And I actually know her boyfriend a lot better. And she went viral recently because she was criticized with her friend for posting about how they were working by the pool, which no joke. And, and I didn't even know he was my, my buddy was tied to her at all. But it was a lot of backlash that came down because they're like, oh, that's the problem with the tech sector, blah, blah, blah. And I remember seeing it on Twitter and thinking, what's the problem here? Like, I don't I don't get it. Like, if, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a manager. I'm a boss. I, I, I oversee... I think maybe about at this point, 10 to 12 employees. And I have to make sure like everything goes through me and I have to make sure they get their stuff done. Micromanaging is my least favorite thing in the world. If they want to get their work done by a pool on a plane, wherever, I do not care as long as it's done. So that was interesting. And then I got approached by my buddy who's like, Hey, you should talk to my girlfriend. And I'm like, absolutely. So we're going to bring her on. Um, I'm going to get that situated and going. And, and then I've got another buddy who, who I want to come on because he, he had a funny, uh, not funny, but a good experience and a unique one that he likes to talk about, about when he went to, I believe it was Hungary, maybe? No, no, no. No, no, no. It was more crazy than Hungary. It was someplace in Europe that, I think it was Turkey. It was Turkey. Went to get hair plugs. So I wanted to hear about his experience, and I was like, come on the pod, let's talk about it. Anyway, he's a really interesting guy anyway, and he has a lot of good things to say. So that'll be a fun time talking with him. And then I've got the hypotheticals coming down the line again. Jake and Josh, the brothers, coming back on, and we're going to discuss some hypotheticals. This time I'm going to throw it to a lot of the people that follow everything, just so you want to participate beforehand, give your take, and we'll share some of that on the podcast if you want. Um, But anyway, it's a lineup. It's a lineup, and it's exciting, and I'm excited to get that more content churned out as long as I don't kill myself and for work. But uh, one quick story. This isn't really a news update. I know I like to do that uh, generally at the beginning of the episode, but one little funny thing that I saw on Twitter was this guy. I think his, he goes by Dawes, D-A-W-E-S. He has, I think, a big YouTube following. I don't really watch his stuff, but every now and then it will pop up. He kind of looks like Clay Thompson. If you're not familiar with Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson's the shooting guard slash small forward for the Golden State Warriors. He's one of the best three-point shooters of his generation. So the last 10 years, Clay Thompson's kind of been known to be awesome. And he and Steph made this amazing combination. That's He's, he's uh, in large part, uh, gets a lot of the credit for the Warriors' success of the last decade. And this guy kind of looks like Clay Thompson. He's pretty big. Anyway, he goes through security at Golden State's arena where the Warriors are playing right before the Celtics game, I believe, just this for game, I want to say it was game five. Um, and he goes in and he like gets past security and like one of the security guards at one point was like, hey, Clay, have a good game, man. So like they're totally buying it that it's Clay Thompson. And 
He goes in with his buddy who's filming him and straight up takes a few shots on the court. And he actually hit him. It, well, it, I mean, it showed him hit three threes in a row, but that could have been editing. Who knows? Regardless, they still the ones he made looked good. And then he went to go in for a layup, and it, like, airballed. It was actually hilarious. And he's like, yeah, we got to go. And so they start walking out, and then one of the security guards approaches them, and she's like, hey, do you have a pass? He's like, no, they just let me in. He didn't even, like, try and tell him he was Clay. Like, he just walked in. And she's like, well, you're going to have to leave. And he's like, yeah, for sure. And he was, like, very, very nice. And the security guard lady was very nice, too. Um, but she's like, she escorted him out. Anyway, hilarious story. So, and apparently he got banned from Oracle Arena, which is the, where the Warriors play. So that was, I thought, hilarious. I thought I wanted to share that a little bit. But anyway, from there, uh, there's just a lot of recession stuff going on, guys. I don't have much to say on that. I bought a house maybe at one of the worst times possible, but whatever. I'm in the housing market now. So just going to embrace it, move forward. I should be moving in in, I think at this rate, about a month and a half. So we'll see how that goes. Love y'all. Hope y'all having a good week. Um, I'm headed down to Mount Whitney tomorrow, and I'll hike it. Be pretty quick round trip. Be back by Saturday night. I'll catch y'all next week. Love y'all. Enjoy the story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. It, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. So today, just pretty quickly, I wanted to share a story because I am, I've been so busy this week. I'm sorry, everybody, but I am getting something out on Wednesday. So, hey, there's that. Um, reason why I've been busy this week is not just work. I mean, work's been really busy, but um, in a good way. Things have been going well. Uh, but aside from work, I've been prepping for a trip to just a quick little, like, basically a 48-hour trip, drive down to uh, Mount Whitney in uh, California. And if you're unfamiliar with Mount Whitney, it's actually the tallest peak in the contiguous uh, United States, so the lower 48, about 14,000, just over 14,500. Uh, it's about 21 miles, I believe. It takes most people, I mean, it just can take them anywhere from like 12 to 18 hours. I think the crew I'm going with, uh, shout out to Shane, by the way, my buddy who's been on the podcast before. One of his friends from North Carolina actually got the permits for it. So four of us are going, and we're probably looking to do it in about 16 hours, roughly. I don't know. Uh, the only experience with like kind of a bigger hike like this is Half Dome that I did last September with my brothers, which was really fun. This is no Half Dome. Uh, elevation doesn't even compare. From what I understand, Half Dome is like maybe, I think it's under 12,000. Uh, and people start to feel kind of that elevation, that altitude sickness, uh, a lot more around the 13.5 to 14 mark. 
And when you hit 13.5, you've got another 1,000 feet to go. So it can set in, and it can be uh, pretty nasty from what I understand. Um, but anyway, I'm just looking to have a fun time, just kind of I like the challenge. Uh, we'll see. So I'll come back and report about that, obviously, next week. But amidst all this, I kind of thought it would might be a pretty good opportunity to share this story because what this reminds me of is uh, the time I got lost on a mountain. Uh, yeah, I have not, I haven't actually, it's for, for whatever reason, I probably blacked it out, like blanked it out of my memory because it's not like I love, I mean, I guess there was a time in my life where I didn't love talking about this because it was kind of embarrassing, but right now it's kind of like, who cares? What am I, what am I hiding from? But I legit got lost to the point where search and rescue actually had to come find me. Like this isn't something that like, oh, I got lost, meandered off for a few hours and then found my way or people found me or whatever. No, like I lost the trail uh, and a legitimate search and rescue team had to come find your boy Harper. Anyway, so let me get into this. This was right after high school. I can't remember which month, but it was, I think it was probably August. Actually, I can even tell you it was, it was President Hinckley's birthday. Uh, this was back in 2005. I had just graduated. And so it must have been June, uh, June 23rd specifically, because I just looked up President Hinckley's birthday um 2005 just graduated that month literally like two weeks before i guess i didn't even realize it was that close to graduation but um i don't even know how i got talked into it i didn't hike i didn't hike in high school i didn't hike before high school like my family never hiked like if we did it was like literally i mean i don't i can't even tell you a time that i remember hiking with my family so that already goes to tell you like i'm very ill prepared and one of my close friends who by the way is actually coming with me this is one of my longest friends tyler miller listener of the podcast, shout out to Ty. Um, he's actually coming with me on this Mount Whitney trip. Uh, so that's going to be fun to see kind of this whole thing come, comes full circle, but he wanted to go, he wanted to hike Lone Peak, which is the mountain basically right behind us. We, we, you know, we grew up in Draper and it's a really, really cool hike. I've heard it's tough, but a lot of people do it in a day. It's a very long one. I think probably like 16, 17, 18, something like that miles. Um, Elevation gain isn't super intense. I think it's probably around probably around 10,000. I'm not sure. I could be a little bit off on that. But regardless, it's not for casual hikers, and it's much less for people that don't hike, so non-hikers, which was me. And somehow I got convinced into doing this, and it's like, yeah, you could do it. And we we're going to thinking like we would initially camp, so we'd go up kind of that first night, go up to very well-known camping area i think right before you'd go to the summit the next morning so we took like big hiking bags and stuff like that and i didn't even have my own hiking bag i don't know what i was doing i think i was wearing hiking boots that someone in my family had anyway obviously like just from start to finish this is just not good and um well i'm with three buddies my high school buddies that i just graduated with like yeah let's do an adventure right so uh three of my friends Dallin Akagi, Clay Hardman, Tyler Miller, who I had mentioned before. Clay actually was my freshman roommate at BYU. So he and I are gearing up to go to BYU in just a few months before our missions. And um, Dallin was headed to Caltech in a couple months. Dallin, obviously, my smartest friend that I've grown up with, and I was still one of the smartest people I know. Um, I just caught up with Dallin actually recently, so that was, that was a little side note. A little, it was his birthday not, not too long ago. But anyway, um, really good friends of mine. 
we all grew up together, known each other since middle school, some of us even elementary school, and we're decided to go up. So I drive us to the trailhead, which is in Sandy, just off of Highland Drive. We, I think we parked at a stake, uh, a stake uh, building, a stake center, and we start the hike. And initially I'm like, all right, like this is manageable, right? This isn't too bad. But then we like, no joke, we probably get like, I don't know, even 30 minutes to an hour in. And I'm like, well, this actually sucks. Like, I don't like this. This is, I, I'm not, I'm not a hiker. I'm not in hiking shape. Anyway, we keep going, we're trudging along. And it gets to a point where I'm like, you know what? I feel like I'm, I'm dragging you guys down. I, I don't want to be the burden on y'all. So go up, I'll catch up. Like, I'll get there. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. Fortunately, we had cell phones and we had service, um, which seems kind of nuts to think about that we had service back then in a time when service was not everywhere and probably wasn't great for the most part. But yeah, we had our cell phones, like our flip phones. And I remember just kind of like checking in with them every now and then. And it got to a point where I was like, uh, I, I don't. I just, like sure I could keep going, but I'd hate this, and I don't really care about this anymore. And I'm, it's just taking me forever. So, I called my buddies, and I'm like, I think I'm gonna turn around. And they're like, Really? And I was like, Yeah. Like I just, it's all good. Like I was the one that drove, so I could just go back to my car, and I can pick you guys up tomorrow. No big deal. You know, y'all enjoy it. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And they were like, Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Well, as I turn around. I don't even think it took me that long. I, I can't remember how long I was hiking on my way back down, but I do remember, I think, where I lost the trail. I remember coming into it. It was dusk, so it was getting a little bit harder to see. And I remember seeing kind of this clearing area, and it seemed like I could easily go right or I could easily go, easily go left. And I remember I picked right. And five minutes into that, I'm like, this is not a trail. And... As I tried to kind of walk back and find the trail again, I got deeper into the woods. Just everything started compounding, and I'm just like, this sucks. I don't know where I am. At one point, as I'm kind of trudging along in this thick, thick brush, I find a river, and I'm like, well, maybe I could just take the river down, right? (laughs) That sounds reasonable. In hindsight, that was a very bad decision because the river has, like, right up to the river has, like, no joke, I mean, probably five to seven foot drop-offs that I'm just, like, falling down. And I'm like, this, okay, like, this is, like, getting to be serious. Like, I legitimately have zero clue where the trail is. I have no idea how to get down. I start kind of thinking, well, if the trail is anywhere, it's going to be, like, we never crossed a river. So I'm just going to go the the way I came back from and just try and find the trail along the way somehow. And I get kind of on this this exposed part of the mountain it's i mean it's it's still thick brush but it's more kind of like the the flat side of the mountain looking for the trail and i'm just like i can't i don't know where i am i it, like 100% officially i do not know where i am so i'm going to call my parents and i think it was around 9 p.m. i call my parents i call my mom and i say hey i'm lost and they remember that moment very well because President Hinckley's birthday broadcast had just ended. They were watching it. 
and they, my mom's like, well, where are you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, that's the point. And they're like, okay, like, and I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. Right. And I'm just like, I, I don't, this is your clue where I am. And they're like, okay, well stay where you are. We're going to call whoever we need to. And I think, I can't remember what the first call was that they made, but eventually they get hooked up with search and rescue search and rescue meets up at where we had started the hike. So in Sandy, um, just off of Highland and my parents are there at one point, one of my other friends, dads was there. Tyler's dad was there for a bit and they're apparently it word gets back to them, uh, to my buddies. And they're just like, they're, 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 they feel pretty bad. And I, and I felt bad for them. I didn't mean to make them feel bad. It was my decision to go back. But their parents are like, why would you ever split up on a hike like this? So they, they got reamed into for sure. But the funny thing was that I had my cell phone, and I remember getting phone calls. Somehow the word got out. I'm guessing my buddies had told some of our other friends. And they're like, Harper's lost. And I think one of them even called me, one of our other friends that wasn't on the hike. And he's like, are you lost on a mountain? And I'm like... Yeah, <laughs> I just, it is. Here we are. I don't. I don't know what else to say. But they're like, "Well, okay. Like, are you gonna get be okay getting off?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think so. Like, I think search and rescue's coming." And they're just like, "Okay." But at this point, I'm kind of having to fight against like battery life on my phone. So I had to start like kind of keeping that to a minimum. I in fact, I think that was the only call I got. A couple of people might have texted me. Um, I remember they sent a helicopter to spot my GPS location. At one point, they're like, is he warm enough? Can he stay through the night? Because it would be really hard to get him on a helicopter. Well, then they're just like, you know what? Let's just get him off. So they send a helicopter. I have to shine this light, this flashlight that they can see, and they pinpoint me on GPS. And then from there, search and rescue starts going to look for me. Um, I remember my mom had told me, she's like, hey, they're on their way. Like, I remember, I think my mom started crying when they pinpointed me on the GPS because she was like, well, now we know where he is. And as long as he doesn't move, we're going to find him. At least, the very least, they'll find my body. No, I'm just kidding. That's a little morbid. Sorry. But um, so I had, I knew, I knew they were coming. And I'm pretty relieved at this point, too. I am getting cold. Uh, I also had speakers with me and an iPod, believe it or not. The iPod had been out for a few years, and I had one. And my mom at one point was like, is there something... Like, can you, like, shout out back to them or anything? And I was like, I can play music. And they're like, yeah, play music. So maybe that, that, that way maybe they can find you easier. And no joke, I'm not even kidding when I say this. This is going to sound fake. I promise you, one of the songs I played was ABBA SOS. Why I had ABBA on my iPhone? Well, that's easy. It was on our family iTunes. So I put ABBA on my iPhone. Uh ABBA's SOS is cranking out because I'm like, hey, this is, seems fitting. So anyway, a couple hours later, Search and Rescue finds me. I'm fine. And they were relieved. They're like, oh, yeah, like you're not injured at all. I'm like, no, I'm just lost. And they're like, okay. And they're like, it's Herfer, right? I'm like, what? No, it's Harper. And they're like, oh, I thought you we they we thought your name was Herfer. And I'm like, definitely not. And that led to a few more jokes. And when I had kind of gotten to the rest of it, like, they had to put a rope down to where I was, and I was only probably off the trail about, no joke, by the time I stopped, when I had kind of meandered back towards where I thought the trail might have been, I was only maybe about 50 yards away, maybe to 100 yards, but I was, it was a really steep kind of mountainside area, so they still had to use a rope to kind of help me get up, and then as the search and rescue had collected, 
together and we were on our way back, one of them said, I remember, he's like, oh, it's Harper? Oh, I was going to say, if his name was Herfer, like, this dude didn't get lost. He actually ran away. I would run away, too, if my name was Herfer, which was hilarious. And they were they were a fun crew. I remember it was, like, four or five guys and, and one woman, and they were just, the, their attitudes were great. Um, and they kept saying, they're like, you're doing great, Harper. And I'm like, yeah, I feel really stupid. But they're like, hey, like, this is a great way to end. Um, apparently they had had a tough week. One of the search and rescues that they had done earlier had turned into a search and recovery. So they were really happy to end the week on a, on a lighter note. And, um, I came back and I, for some reason, I remember being scared that like the news would be there. And I'm like, it was just so ridiculous <laughs> looking back at it. Um, that I like, and I was like, I don't want to be on the news you know, having gotten lost off a mountain, but I don't know what the standard is for that. So I'm sure that was wildly overblown in my head. And I got back, hugged my mom, hugged my dad. Um, and I think they just, I don't even think they really did many checks cause they could clearly tell I was okay. Um, I did have a lot of cuts on my legs. I remember just like from plants and stuff that were, you know, whatever, just little, just stung here and there, but I was fine. Got home probably around 4 a.m., and I remember my dad had me drink salt water because he's like, you might be dehydrated, which might have been a little over the top. I don't think I was really close to being de- dehydrated. I mean, it was still pretty cold where I was, and I had plenty of water in my system at that point. Anyway, whatever. But better safe than sorry. I go to bed, and I just remember, like, my legs twitching through the night because of all the cuts on them and woke up. All was well. I texted my friends, I think, when I got home. Uh, in the middle of the night, I texted them just cause they, they did tell me, they're like, we felt like crap, man. Like we felt like we abandoned you and everything. And it's like, I still don't, would never put that on them. And I texted them and I was like, well, all's well, that ends well. I'm safe and sound back in my bed. And they were super relieved when they saw that they summited the next day, came back down. We met up and like I said, all's well, that ends well. So that is the story of me getting lost on a mountain. I turned back because I was just like, I don't, I'm not a hiker. Like it is, I'm not in hiking shape. I wasn't feeling well. I'm like, this is kind of feeling kind of sick. Um, and so now here I am about to hike Mount Whitney. So hopefully this isn't the last time you hear from me. Who? Just kidding. Knock on wood. Um, I'm in a, I'm more of a hiker now. I would not call myself a hiker, but I like hiking at least. And I'm certainly more prepared now than I've ever been for something like this. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, Half Dome is not the same thing as Mount Whitney, but, and I think the biggest difference is the altitude. So that's going to be the interesting part to combat. But in terms of just getting through Half Dome, I was fine. In fact, I was surprised at how quickly I had recovered from Half Dome, like without much soreness. It was really, really surprising. Anyway, so I'm feeling good about this. I thought no time like the present. Why not share that story? It's kind of a fun story to share. Um, like I said, I've not shared it a whole lot. So excuse me if it seemed a little bit staggered because I've never really gone through that story from, from A to Z, but I hope you enjoyed the details. I hope you enjoyed kind of the, the fun little high school version of Harper with that. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Just kind of with a couple quick gospel thoughts that I had this week, but we'll, uh, we'll take a break here just for a second. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so a few thoughts here. I've been reading in the Book of Alma uh, for the past little bit. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. It is one of my favorite books. If I had to choose a favorite book, I'm not sure I could. The only reason why Ether would be up there is because Ether Chapter 12 is my favorite chapter. Other than that, I don't know. There's a lot of different books that I like, but and then I basically go off of individual scriptures. But anyway, one of the things that I've been looking into, we're getting into the Captain Roni, the uh, the war, the war years in the in the Book of Alma, and one thing that's striking me right now, and I've written kind of some things down before, and so I kind of wanted to point that out. I don't have a lot of kind of anything to say specifically, but it's just interesting to me to point out that there are some very strong instances of Captain Moroni showing anger, where it very clearly writes that. And this is, remember, this is Mormon writing this, who had to have been a huge fan of Captain Moroni. I mean, he, he has that amazing verse about how if all men were like unto Moroni, then the very powers of hell would be shaken forever. And and then he named his son Moroni. So clearly, Mormon has a relationship with this man, and he loves him. Like, he, he's a big, big fan of Captain Moroni. But then he doesn't hesitate to talk about the anger that Moroni shows in certain scenarios, which makes me think, is there such a thing as righteous anger? I don't know. Or is Captain Moroni in the wrong by being angry? And is it always wrong and bad to be angry? And these are things I'm still kind of looking into. Um, so it's interesting. Now, the, some of the excerpts, it talks about in Alma 44, um, Zarahemna was stubborn and refused to stop fighting. That got Moroni, Captain Moroni, angry. Amalekiah had caused dissension among the Nephites in 46. Um, with his own people, who were the kingmen, refused to take up arms and help their own country, their own army, um, that he had labored with so much diligence to preserve. Um, he was wroth specifically when it was talking about his enemies. Um, Amaron, who's the brother of Amalekiah, he was angry towards him in Alma 54. And 55, when he knew that Amaron had a perfect knowledge of his fraud and with the government because of their supposed indifference. Now, he was wrong on, he was definitely wrong on that one. He even apologized. Um, actually, it doesn't show his apology, but Pahoran forgives him. So that's interesting. But anyway, um, and then he was angry once again at Amaron and Amalekiah for causing a war that had caused so much death, bloodshed, famine, all that stuff. That was in 62. Anyway, those are some excerpts of Captain Moroni's anger. I'm going to look more into that. Not that I'm looking to want to be angry righteously or anything like that, but I think that's interesting nonetheless. Um, but the one example that I like to point to with Captain Moroni the most, especially today when we're seeing things so divisive, and I may have shared this on the podcast before, but I think it's good to reiterate is there's an age-old question, when is it appropriate to fight back against those of which we are ideologically opposed? Now, it has kind of a breakdown here in reference to Captain Moroni in the Book of Alma. There's a few components. Everything is rooted in faith. Without faith, knowing when to fight against one's opponent is impossible. This faith 
Faith is rooted in the idea of keeping the commandments and that God will not lead you astray. Two, keeping the commandments. That's another big component of this. Three, glorying in that type of faith, not in the shedding of blood, but in doing good. Those are the direct quotes from the scriptures in the book of Alma when referencing this. Glorying in keeping the commandments, and four, resisting iniquity. And the whole breakdown isn't actually, it's in Alma 48, verses 14 through 16. And it starts and it says, I'll just read this whole thing. It says, Now the Nephites were taught to defend themselves against their enemies, even to the shedding of blood, if it were necessary. Yea, and they were also taught never to give an offense. Yea, and never to raise a sword except it were against the enemy, except it were to preserve their lives. And this was their faith. This is verse 15. And this was their faith that by doing so, or by so doing, God would prosper them in the land. Or in other words, if they were faithful in keeping the commandments of God, that he would prosper them in the land. Yea, warn them to flee or to prepare them for war according to their danger and also that God would make it known unto them this is 16 whether or whither they should go to defend themselves against their enemies and by so doing the Lord would deliver them and this was the faith of Moroni and heart his heart did glory in it not in the shedding of blood but in doing good and preserving his people yea and keeping the commandments of God yea and resisting iniquity that's the excerpt that's the one that I basically just broke down. When does it become necessary? That's the question. When does it become necessary to defend our faith, our families, and our freedom? Well, according to the scriptures, there are certain caveats to all this. It is clear that the aforementioned verses, by the aforementioned verses, that everything must be rooted in a foundation of faith and keeping the commandments. This faith extends to having faith that God will bless us and help us prosper if we are keeping his commandments, that being the ultimate caveat. What I love about these verses is that they precede one of the most well-known verses in the Book of Mormon, which is one that I had referenced earlier, which is that if I, I say unto you, if all men had been and were and ever were would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would be shaken or have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. That is, I mean, I can't think of a better scripture to say about a single person than that one. All of that goes right before it highlights that verse on Captain Moroni. So in other words, the previous, previously mentioned verses of determining when to prepare for war or when to flee is a blueprint on how to become like Captain Moroni. That's my opinion, at least. And as I looked into this, I looked into my inside. I tried to be introspective about this. And I, I would acknowledge that I sometimes get more motivated to fight back by the fight itself. It's like I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this war that we're in. I get to defend my ideals against yours, things like that. It's energizing sometimes about trying to prove my ideological enemies wrong and to show them that they're the ones who think illogically, not me. But if I'm being honest, that idea and that feeling is more reminiscent of an insatiable predator than an olive branch. Very clearly, right? Somewhere somewhere in there, the idea of spreading my own beliefs to others in order to better their lives gets lost in the process because I'd rather just prove them wrong than have them join my side. Now, that doesn't happen every time, but I've definitely experienced it before and experiencing it once is probably too much and i gotta say and i know this gets expressed a lot but there it needs to be defined the right way ultimately the answer's got to be love right when christ said to love your enemies he wasn't saying this as an afterthought if i can truly understand what it means to love my enemy i think the rest of the dominoes will fall in order i don't want to fight them but sometimes that becomes the last resort it's probably safe to assume that captain moroni's first inclination wasn't to kill the kingmen or even his enemies uh, that were outside of his own country for that matter my guess is that concept is something that he had to really wrestle with internally. I would imagine he may have even had a past close relationship 
with the Kingmen specifically through government affairs and whatever else. He had a heavy involvement in the military, right? But his love for his country, his faith, and his family, in no particular order, overshadowed his love for them. And in a way, may have even been showing them love by ending their time on this earth. Who knows? Like, I don't know. I don't know how that's defined. It can be argued that it's better for these individuals to die than to keep living in apostasy and destroying the lives of others. But that's not a decision that could ever be made haphazardly, to say the least. So that was something that I wanted to share. I think that's important, an important concept and mentality to embrace as we get more and more divisive. If we're enjoying the fight, we're probably doing it wrong. Now, I understand, too, like when I say love is the answer, I've said this before, that does not mean we can let others define how to love for us. Because a lot of times they'll say, oh, you're not being loving. And it's like, well, what do you even mean by that, right? And that's something only you can answer. You can only answer that with intellectual honesty and a good relationship with God. And from there, you'll be fine. You don't need to worry if people call you unloving. If you know you're loving and if you know God knows you're loving, that's all you need. So if that's the foundation, then you'll be okay. Anyway, I love... I love this book. I love the Book of Mormon. Captain Ron is an amazing example. Wanted to share some of those thoughts, get it out there today, this week. And that's all she wrote. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit more succinct than what we've had the last couple weeks. Getting something out there. But like I said, we are going to have a cool content lineup moving forward, I believe. Um, If you have any content ideas, by all means, I'm all ears. I would love to talk to anybody I can as in so much as it kind of it falls into the parameters of the podcast, which, quite frankly, are, are pretty broad at this point. But you never know. I, I mean, obviously, I don't want to just talk to anybody, but I, I would like to talk to a lot of people. So if you have any suggestions or whatever, if you want to come on, let me know. We can maybe have a discussion about something that seems relevant and timely, all that stuff. Anyway, love you all. Catch you next week. Uh, I'll let you know how Mount Whitney goes at that point, And we'll see you later. So mad, there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I, if it takes time.